where Dave and I plan this year's company holidays. Let's go through the list. Easter, too religious. St. Patrick's Day? Too white. Mother's Day? Way too cisgendered. All of your usual holidays have been canceled this year. But we still have Karl Marx's birthday! Ha <laughs> Need a real reason to party? Find a new job at redballoon.work. Our weekend review will give you the highlights of last week's hearings during the public inquiry into the invoking of the War Measures Act. Now, just in case I forget to say it in the course of this episode, let me be clear. Our prime minister is a tyrant. Our federal government is corrupt. Our elected officials are utterly incompetent. Our health bureaucrats are propagandists. And our law enforcement top dogs are nothing more than lap poodles for our elites. But you already know this, and that's why you listen to us here on The Dispatch. And finally, Matt and I will recap and comment on the Church at War conference that was held this past weekend in Waterloo at Trinity Bible Chapel. We met with freedom pastors from all across the country. We got to watch Antichrist and His Ruin, the new documentary. And we got to meet many of you, our kind and supportive audience. I can say unequivocally, you guys are just the best. It's November 22nd. I'm Andrew DiBartolo, that's Matt Halleck, and this is the Liberty Dispatch. Welcome to the Liberty Dispatch, broadcasting across enemy lines into the Canadian culture war. Thank you so much for tuning again this week to the Dispatch. We are so glad that you have joined us, and we are so excited to have met so many of you this past weekend wherever you're getting our content from whether it's on spotify google play whatever it might be feel free to like subscribe rate and review definitely want to interact with our content as well it helps us get that content to content out to more people also, you can check out all our programs from the various shows that we have on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. That's flfnetwork.com. And they have a wonderful app called the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network app, which you can download from your Apple App Store or your Google Play App Store as well. And you can get our content as well as all the other wonderful podcasts that are on that network directly on your phone on demand also go over to our website libertycoalitioncanada.com check out all things liberty coalition over there whether it's our legal advocacy what we're doing here on the news and analysis or if it's christians that care one of the the many initiatives that we have going on it's all on that website and you can check it out over there and finally please reach out to us with any comments questions or concerns at Info at libertycoalitioncanada.com. That's info at libertycoalitioncanada.com. We look forward to hearing from you. One more quick announcement before we get into the rest of our show, and that is a rather large announcement for us here at the Liberty Coalition Canada. We have partnered with Christian Week, a Christian news website that is committed to bringing news from a Christian and biblical perspective. We partnered with the Christian Week. And moving forward from now on, if you support and donate to 
our shows or our analysis, specifically this arm of the Liberty Coalition Canada. So this is our media stuff, our podcasting. Now that we have partnered with the Christian Week, we will also be producing some of our own articles, op-eds in the near future. So it's exciting. It's an exciting time for us here at the mm-hmm. Liberty Coalition. Very Canada. exciting. So from now on, any donations that you give toward the analysis, the podcasting, the media, because Christian Week is a charity, you can receive a charitable receipt for that. So this is not for our advocacy stuff and not for our legal aid, but specifically for our media, because we seek to bring news and analysis from a distinctly Christian perspective. Mm -hmm. Any support, any donations to our podcast, to our analysis, you can receive a charitable receipt for that. And so this kind of sweetens the deal a little bit for people or for charities out there churches and charities who've been thinking, I want to give, we want to give to Liberty Mm -hmm. Coalition Canada, but because they're not a charity, there's a little bit of red tape. Those barriers have all now been removed because we now are are partnering with the Christian Week. You can receive your charitable receipt. And if you are a charity, you can give to us and to our shows and to our analysis. So, and by the way, this means lots of big and new stuff coming soon. So keep your eyes, there's exciting stuff in the future for us here. Absolutely. This opens up all new avenues that we can go down. Um, and the written word just allows you to interact with content in very different ways. Um, and we're excited to have um, some guys that who have agreed to write for us and do commentary and editorials, um, some, some wonderful, thoughtful men. So we're looking forward to bringing together a team of individuals to Again, do news and analysis from a Christian worldview, but just in a different medium. And we're thankful that uh, we could partner with the Christian Week, that that could happen, and that this has the added benefit also um, of allowing you to give to us on a continuing basis and then also receive that tax donation um, as well. Because this is this is, though it might seem strange, this is the prophetic arm uh, 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 that the church should be uh, doing. This is this is us being prophets, uh, speaking and declaring the word of God as it bears in on our daily lives. And that's uh, really important. Um, so we're very excited. There's lots of good stuff to come on that front. Yeah, we have a little more to say about the monies toward the end of today's episode. Mm-hmm. But for now, we want to say that our weekend review is brought to you by our good friends over at Resistance Coffee Company. It's a little known fact that the initial rise of coffee drinking in North America was tied to the fight for liberty. Following the Boston Tea Party, American patriots saw it as their civic duty to wean themselves off of tea in order to stick it to King George and his unlawful taxes. John Adams, who would become the second president of the United States, told his wife in a letter, tea must be universally renounced. I must be weaned and the sooner the better. Today, you'd never know about this connection to freedom since the coffee industry is usually associated with progressive ideologies and rainbows that have been stolen from a Christian worldview. However, Resistance Coffee Company is bringing back the connection between coffee and liberty. Resistance Coffee carefully roasts only specialty-grade coffee beans, which means you're getting the very best coffee, too. I have some defund the CBC in this. By the way, shout out to Nicole Duquette 
for these amazing mugs. She got us these wonderful mugs as a Christmas present, and she gave them to us at the Church at War conference. So, thanks, Nicole, Nicole. if you're listening, <laughs> thanks a lot. And if you know Nicole, tell her thank you on our behalf. So, this is some defund the CBC. This is their lighter roast, which is my my favorite, seeing as I'm such a lighthearted kind of guy. Let's get a swig of this. I'm drinking liberal tears, and if you notice. Mm. I put one of those nifty resistance uh, coffee company stickers on the bottom of the mug. Yes. yes. That's a good idea. <laughs> Matt, I'm going to start doing that. That's brilliant. Yeah. This is, you why, know. This, is why, this is why they pay the big bucks, buddy. Yeah, there you go, man. I just so, had it. I is like yeah, the perfect size for so the bottom. Smart. Yeah. It is so smart. Uh, so to our audience, drink better coffee and support freedom at the same time. Make resistance coffee your drink of freedom today. And go to resistancecoffee.com slash LCC. Make sure you use that slash LCC to get 10% off your first purchase. I'll say here, there's been a little bit of confusion lately on our part. Not our audience, not resistance. And by our part, I mean me because I read the ad. So it's my fault. I take full responsibility. I haven't been totally clear about how the slash LCC works and the discount. So the 10% off is only for your first purchase. So if you haven't made a purchase yet, or if you haven't used that discount yet, buy as much as you possibly can in that first purchase. Buy some five-pound bags. <laughs> you can freeze coffee, by the way. You can buy mm -hmm. a whole ton of it and freeze it. It's just fine. You can get the mugs. You can get the merch. If you already used the Slash LCC, you got 10% off, and you went again for a second purchase, and it didn't work, mm -hmm. then our friends at Resistance Coffee Company, even though I messed up, are so generous that they have a special code. I'm not going to say it on the air, but a special <laughs> code available for those who thought that it was ongoing and who went to go make a second purchase and didn't get it. So if that's the case, you email us at info at libertycoalitioncanada.com and specify Andrew needs to give me my discount and we will <laughs> hook you up with another discount code for a second purchase. But from now on ongoing, that slash LCC won't get you 10% off ongoing, but it doesn't matter because the coffee is delicious. It's mm -hmm. run by a freedom pastor. They're good friends to the show and you want to support your liberties in, in Canada. So go to resistancecoffee.com slash LCC. You are going to want to support these brothers for the fight for freedom in the days ahead. Get some good coffee. We're going to need it. And you're not going to regret it. I know it might be like, oh, I don't want to spend so much. I want to try it out. Trust me, everybody mm -hmm. who's tried the coffee that I know, they're buy me more, send it across the country to these people that I know. Um, that's That's been the universal reply. And um, we would recommend you utilizing that 10% discount on the first time you purchase. So definitely go over to resistancecoffeecompany.com or just re resistancecoffee.com slash LCC. All right, Andrew, as we like to do for our first episode of the week, we like to take a look at the week that was in our weekend review. Before we get to any of these stories, by the way, yeah. I just want to I want to get this out of the way. What we're going to see in all of these days and really what we've seen over the course of the number of weeks is that the federal government 
has absolutely no leg to stand on. Let's just get this out of the way, which mm-hmm. we've been already getting out of the way. It was an absolute mess of totalitarian, tyrannical power grab to squash a peaceful protest. Testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony. There was no threat. Or as we're going to see, we didn't even look at the threat assessment. And it could have been dealt with by local law enforcement and blah, 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 blah. Corruption, totalitarianism, corruption. So... I and the reason get that out of the way, <laughs> the reason Andy wants to make that preamble is because this week's weekend review is dedicated to a recap of the public inquiry into the War Measures Act, as Andrew likes to call it, what it's technically called the Emergencies Act. But as Andrew likes to do, he cuts through uh, the gobbledygook. So let us get into day 22 of the public inquiry. Um, A document was presented to the commission, which detailed the conversations that CSIS officials had with members of the federal cabinet throughout the Freedom Convoy protests. The document stated that the director of CSIS, David Vigneault, told the federal cabinet at no point, stop, at no point, not at any point, <laughs> did CSIS assess that the protests in Ottawa or elsewhere were constituted a threat to national security as defined by Section 2 of the CSIS Act, and CSIS cannot investigate activity constituting lawful protest. According to the same document, when Vigneault became aware of the federal government, that the federal government was seriously considering invoking the unprecedented measures to quash the freedom convoy, he felt an obligation to clearly convey the service's position that there did not exist a threat to security of Canada as defined by the service's legal mandate. That's it. It's, it's over. over. Go this home, is, everybody. It's, it's, it's all superfluous. This, 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 is, this is the federal government has just been clocked in the jaw with the right arm of freedom, and they're on the way down. And all we're going to see is them trying to claw, oh, no, it was justified. It's over. It's like this. No, I, I, I don't even, I, I, have to, I have to drink this coffee. I, I just, I can't. I can't eat. I'm going to be a millennial and pretend like it's 2019. And all I'm going to say is I can't even. I can't <laughs> even. I mean, there's not much to say. The, the, the document, the words of the director of CSIS himself speak for themselves. This was not seen as a, a threat to national security. We've already heard from... Uh, RCMP directors, local cops, they didn't need these measures to be implemented to quash the protests. Thus, it leads one to believe that they put these measures in place, not because they needed them to dispel the protests, as they said, but for another purpose. And that was the purpose of going after the money going after bank accounts and that seems to be the the sole 
purpose behind the use of the Emergencies Measures Act, but that is not that is not justification for the use of the act itself. That they need well, don't those get ahead powers. Of yourself. Don't get ahead of yourself. <laughs> the bank stuff is day twenty five. Let's look at day twenty three okay. first. Okay, Take so it, day twenty three documents revealed that the RCMP Commissioner Brenda Lucky, a stalwart of integrity and incorruptible in terms of using a shooting to further the liberal handgun freeze. No, that's not her, right? That's not her. But apparently these documents revealed that she had a plan to clear the Freedom Convoy protesters from Ottawa without the use of the act. But it just so happens it was never communicated to the cabinet prior to the invocation of the act. So she, had, I got a plan. It's all mapped out. Okay. But I'm not going to tell anyone about it. Which I'm, is I'm, I'm going to make sure that no one knows about this plan. Which is interesting because the province, uh, like OPP, um, even local, like Ottawa police, they were they were setting up for plans to dispel the protest. They also had they were in ongoing talks with with the protesters as well. Everyone, all levels, they all had plans for this thing to go a certain way and that that did not need the invocation of the EA. So. That's been the universal testimony of every institution throughout this uh, the, this inquiry. Everyone, I know that's not an understatement. Every. No, no, it, so it's it's amazing. Let's continue here. So, quote, your update to cabinet as it is deciding whether to invoke the Emergencies Act. That's what they say. It's again, it's the War Measures Act is that the police now have a plan. And that you, as the commissioner of the RCMP, consider that plan to be workable without the authorities of the War Measures Act. And your messages don't get delivered to cabinet when they deliberate on the invocation of the act, said one commission lawyer. You appreciated the significance, I assume, of the fact that you hadn't got a chance to give those key messages that we looked at before. Did it occur to you that you should make sure that the government was aware of your views on these points before it came to land on the invocation of the War Measures Act? The Commission Council asked Lucky. So I, I want to ask that question again. The Commission Council said, don't you think it would be a good idea to let the federal government know that you have a plan to end this thing without having to use the War Measures Act? I mean, it's a totally fair question. This is what Lucky said. And again, I want to reiterate this again. The evidence shows and alleges that Commissioner Lucky pressured local RCMP on the ground in Nova Scotia to try to pull all the information out so that they might further the Liberal government's handgun freeze. Allegedly. She's totally corrupt. This is her answer. I guess in hindsight, yeah, that might have been something significant. Honestly, I'm not sure if that would have changed anything. Now, here's what's tr here's what's astounding about that. I agree with her in that second point. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. It probably wouldn't have changed anything. But uh, that, that first point, yeah, that might have been something significant. You think, you think, how many times have we seen movies where someone is about to be killed or murdered or beheaded or executed and you're just waiting like that 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 piece of information that that exonerates them is waiting and the, the movie sets it up where you can see in slow-mo they're being brought up and they're being set down and the swords can say everything's in slow-mo 
except for the messenger who's running frantically, gotta bring the message. And the whole time you're thinking, hurry up before. And then if it doesn't happen, you're completely heartbroken at the fact that if only they got there in time, we know that that's the case. We know that the tragedy that ensues from someone being punished wrongfully for something they didn't do is a brutal tragedy. Mm -hmm. But apparently Commissioner Brenda Lucky doesn't have a heart and she cares nothing for Canadians because she had that piece apparently in her hand where she could have delivered it to the federal government and said, hey, I got we got this. Don't worry. Exactly. We got this. But oh, I, I guess it would have been significant. Like, yeah, it, she it really, fired already. Can she yeah. be fired and stripped of all authority at this point? There's it really, utter incompetence. It really speaks, Andrew, to what you just said, the utter incompetence of these these organizations, these alphabet soup agencies, um, these ministers, these leaders of these institutions that have been put in charge, because it's amazing to me that they all can have their separate plans, but not be communicating to each other. The left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. And then the people who end up paying for that are the people who are exercising their legal rights to protest is again, it's government incompetence is it hurts those at the bottom of the rung. It hurts those on the ground. And it's amazing to me that so much incompetence can be in each one of these organizations. It speaks very poorly on the managerial it state. Is, it's utterly astounding. Like the fact yeah. that and it's and so incompetent in the same way, it almost seems like you, it almost seems like there's no way this just would have happened mm -hmm. simply because of people being hired. Like this kind of mm -hmm. level of in concert buffoonery mm -hmm. that just like the the, the tinfoil in me says <laughs> this cannot be mm -hmm. the, the 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 consequence of people just being hired like yeah. you have to you have to plan and you have to intentionally structure mm -hmm. this kind of stupidity across the board <laughs> it, it can't happen by accident like there's to be one person it's not utterly a terrible at their job, but mm -hmm. there's not one all the way across. Like you have to plan to be this incompetent. There's no way it happens by accident. But I mean, what do, <laughs> it, I, what do I know? I'm a conspiracy it, it theorist. It seems what do I it, know? it seems that way, and certainly we can agree that um, the the two options you're left with, and just going over the entire inquiry, is it's either malevolence on the part of government or incompetence and neither is a good option if you're in those positions yeah yeah and the crazy part is i'm not in, uh, actually engaging in the either or fallacy it's that's just the, the the natural conclusion that one has to come to looking at all the evidence anyways let's press forward day 24 of the emergency inquiry uh, had internal statistics Canada documents released and revealed that border blockades had little impact on Canadian trade, despite what our government officials said in the month of February. 
The document, which was produced in April by Statistics Canada, suggests that despite the blockades at the Ambassador Bridge in Windsor, Ontario, Coots, Alberta, and Emerson, Manitoba, and this Pacific Highway in British Columbia, the impact of Canada's trade imports and exports was minimal. Minimal. That's that's the conclusion of the report. The document reads, overall, the block-bordered crossings appear to have had little impact on the aggregate value of Canadian imports and exports. The document also states that although traffic activity at the blocked border crossings decreased by 8.8% compared to February 2021, data increased trade activity was observed at other crossings. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau told Ontario Premier Doug Ford in a read out uh, in a readout, pardon me, of a conversation on February 9th that the protesters at the Ambassador Bridge were barricading the Ontario economy and doing millions of damage, which is not the case, according to Internal Statistics Canada. And it must be noted, Andrew, you live in Ontario and you guys passed a law because of this propaganda that the government was putting out that um, these blockades, these protests were destroying the Ontario economy. They passed a bill into place, Bill 100, in Parliament. Which is basically the War Measures Act light. Yes, exactly. Um, But that was built... Uh, based on a false narrative that is belied by the actual evidence as reported by Internal Statistics Canada, the government's own statistic agency. So let that sink in. Again, it's almost in the same way that the Freedom Convoy was decried as this January 6th uprising, right? You have a, uh, yeah, you have a <laughs> false... Yeah, you have What's a... French toast? Yeah, you have a false narrative spun, and then that false narrative is then laundered in to yeah. government and used as the predicate to pass legislation that is draconian in nature. Yet, here again, we have an example of that happening. And what do we find out? What is this inquiry actually getting to the bottom of? Just how spun up this narrative was. Just how dangerous this rhetoric from our politicians is because it actually leads to legislation that further limits Canadian freedom. That is a serious, serious, serious issue. And if if people in Ontario who are put in places of power as elected representatives had any integrity, they would be going back to Bill 100 and saying, Based on this new evidence from Eternal Statistics Canada, we have to, for the sake of people's civic freedoms, revoke Bill 100. You think they'll do that, Andrew? Well, there was a word you used there. What was the word? Integrity. Integrity. Let me pretend to be a federal official for, what, for a second. Say that word again. Integrity. <laughs> so yeah no the answer is no the answer is no they're not going to do it yeah so just absolutely I, I also want to say I'm, it's curious that they reference that 8.8 percent 
decrease in travel. And the assumption is it was a blockade. How about the poison mandates? Do you think that might have affected it a little bit? How about telling people they couldn't travel freely out of and back into their country unless they had the injection mandates? How about that? How about the fact that people felt totally disheartened and because they'd been crushed, because they'd lost their jobs and they'd been fired, that they couldn't afford to travel back and forth? How about that? No, no, no. It's the blockades. The assumption is it's only the blockades, even though, like they said, even though the 8.8% decrease, you saw an uptick in other areas as well. And so it's 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 all about, it's that they did it wrong. It's the blockades, it's the truckers, it's the small freedom, it's the small fringe minority with unacceptable views. When in reality, all of this carnage is to be laid at the feet of our federal government and our provincial government and our health bureaucracies on all levels, they are the ones, it, this, the blame is laid squarely at their feet. And I will say this is strong and fair enough, but the Canadians who not only complied, but who complied without question, without pushback, who made it so that those of us who resisted were called a small fringe minority and were basically outliers that could be squashed easily, I'm sorry. But part of this blame is also to be laid at your feet. Because like Bonhoeffer said, not to act is to act, not to speak is to speak, and to do nothing in the face of evil is to do everything by way of omission. So mm. you, this carnage that we've seen, yes, I blame our elected officials. Yes, I blame our unelected health bureaucrats. And yes, I blame our incompetent law enforcement officers. But fellow Canadians... If you were the ones who were screaming at us for not having a mask on, if you were the ones who said, you know what, they shouldn't be allowed to go to a restaurant if they don't have a jab. And if you're the ones who were saying, well, no, no, th this is what's best. Just comply. Stop being so selfish. Then you get a little bit of this, this pie as well. Mm -hmm. A little sliver of this pie is for you because your complicity and your willingness to shame and see other Canadians affected detrimentally Mm -hmm. is why our government was so empowered and emboldened to do this. So you're going to have to take, you're going to have to shoulder some of that as well. That might be strong, but I think it's true. And I, I, I think that, I think that the only way out of this is to simply admit, you know what? Yes. Mm -hmm. If more of us stood up, this wouldn't have happened the way that it did and just own it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also want to make the point that this type of rhetoric coming from our government just shows how they implicitly view themselves as God, right? When there is no God over the state, the state is God. They believe that and they act in accordance to that belief. So they might not state it, but that is the ongoing uh, presupposition that they have because they think it's totally appropriate to to label one business essential, one business non-essential. They have the total unilateral authority to do that. They have the total unilateral authority to say, we can shut down the economy for two years. When we say it's positive to shut down the economy, it's a good thing. It's for your benefit. They can say, hey, though you have that right to mo mobility, to freely enter and exit the country... We're going to restrict that right on the basis of a medical treatment, whether you get it or not. When we say these things, when we restrict these rights, it's good. But 
if an organic protest comes together because of the government action in response to this tyrannical government action and potentially even limits transport from one border crossing to another, not shutting them all down, that is a bad thing. If That's you were threat. to hurt, if you, the people, hurt the economy, you're, you are terrorists. But we can do it at will. Yeah, we covered this when we looked at Bill C-100, that the, the arrogance yes. of Doug Ford to say only one group of people are allowed to destroy mm -hmm. lives, crush economies, mm -hmm. and tell you where you can or can't go. Mm -hmm. And that's big daddy God government. That's what he said with, with Bill C-100. That's what they were saying. Oh, hey, hold on a second here. Only one person can ruin your lives. Mm -hmm. That's me. That's and that, what he said. that's because they believe in Rex Lex, not Lex Rex. Right. And that is contra. That is totally counter to the history of British common law that that was found that this country was founded on, and that is uh, enshrined in the Canadian Constitution and the Charter. That is against it, it's it's essentially without stating it a belief in the divine right of kings that they can do things arbitrarily and because they have that inherent authority to determine right from wrong they can do whatever they want but you you little peon you stupid idiot citizen you better not think for one second you can stand up for your rights and freedoms by pushing back against what we're doing that is go, what's very. I want to watch Braveheart again. There's, <laughs> you know, there's one scene, and this this has been coming to my mind. Before we move on to day 25, I, I got to say mm -hmm. this: there's a scene where they just knight they knight William Wallace and his captains, and then all of a sudden, all the different clans stand. Oh, uh, Sir William, please join us and join us and blah blah blah, and they start fighting, and so he walks out, and then they're like, William, where are you going? And he says, "You believe." that these people exist you you believe that the people exist to provide you with the power and with the comfort that you have but i believe that you exist to provide these people with the freedoms that are theirs and i go to see that they have them and he says it like and i go to see that they have them and it just storms <laughs> out it's really great yeah. but it's this understanding that here you have the elites in in scotland believing that the people merely existed to 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 perpetuate their comfort and their 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 higher class kind of living but wallace was right no 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 you exist to serve the people mm. you exist to to make sure that yes. their freedoms and their rights are protected and uh i've been saying that a lot lately by mm -hmm. the way side i'm telling my wife we have to watch braveheart one of these nights <laughs> all right let's let's move on day 25. <laughs> Fine. No, but this is good though. You know, like we were so full disclosure for our audience before the recording, Matt and I were like, oh yeah, we're just going to go quick. We're kind of limited for time and we're not going to linger too long. But the truth <laughs> is all the stuff that comes out in every day, like all every day of this, of this public inquiry really should be a splash of ice water to the faces of Canadians say, behold, behold your government and mm. behold how they, what they think of you and how you need to respond, not as an uninformed, ignorant compliant slave but is a free person who understands that you are to be responsible for your own life and for the lives of those around you and so that's that has to take time to unpack okay day 25 
Finance Canada officials confirmed the Canadian banks took measures to freeze some bank accounts at their discretion without receiving information from the RCMP. So this is the thing about tyranny, that when someone from the top starts saying, I can do whatever I want, then lesser authorities say, well, why can't I do the same with those under me? Right? Why can I? And by the way, we saw this in churches. So when the government tells churches, we're in charge, you have to do what we say. And the churches say, well, the government's the government, Romans 13. Then do you know what all those churches did? They started flexing authority over their people that they didn't have by saying, you have to cover your face. You can't say hello. You can't sing. And so when you have tyranny from the top, everyone at every level down thinks that they also can be little mini tyrants with those under them and they can exercise a lawless authority. So apparently that's what banks did. They thought they also I, could be tyrants. And to that point, uh, we will talk about it when we get to uh, the, the recap of the conference. But a, a highlight of the conference was the fact that cor- courage was contagious in these men that pushed back. But the, the reverse is also true. Cowardice right. and duplicity is also contagious. It's it the is the real a, virus. It's the yeah. real it's the real bug. It's one of the real bugs of the last three years. Absolutely. It's fear and cowardice that spread and infected so many. All right, let's keep going. Deputy Ministry of Finance Canada, Michael Sabia, testified on Thursday morning alongside two assistant deputy ministers, Isabel Jacques, who oversees financial security, and Riz Mendez, who oversees economic policy. The banks would, is quote, the banks would receive some information from the RCMP and then they would vet that information and exercise some discretion as to whether or not they should take measures under the order to freeze the accounts. Is that right? Commission lawyers asked. So the question, yeah, yeah, they gave us some information, but we decided, (laughs) we decided if we were going to be God today, we decided who, whose lives we were going to ruin by freezing their money because we're God. Correct? The commission lawyer asked. Yes, I would say so, Jacques told the commission. Also, on their own, as I mentioned before, they could review their own information and use the systems they have to detect suspicious transactions, which they did. And on their own, they did freeze bank accounts without any information received from the RCMP. By the way, if you still bank with one of the big fives... Get out now. Get out now. But Andrew, the scary part is we're talking in Canada. You can go over to weforum.com, the the World Economic Forum's website. So many of the banking institutions, even outside the big five we're talking about, are also partnered with these supranational organizations in partnership to create digital ID programs and also to monitor these things too. So that's the, the, the really worrisome part is the banking and financial sectors are the rot has totally sunk in to those aspects of the Canadian economy. And it's, it's, it's essentially those people who are exercising so much authority over this, this the implement, implementation of these woke uh, ideologies and woke policies. And I would recommend, Andrew, for our entire listening audience, um, 
Definitely get the book Woke Inc. by Vivek Ramaswamy. It's a very, very interesting kind of inside look at the merger of supranational organizations, big tech, and then big finance, how they're going about implementing these woke agendas in society. And it's like this inside out, bottom up, all around 360 program of basically fascistic behavior and corporatism to indoctrinate Canadians and also to put amazing influence on them to go along with these leftist ideologies. So that's really important for us to understand. So Woke Inc. by Vivek Ramaswamy. It is definitely a good read. Um, He's not a Christian man. He's a Hindu man. So a lot of his... Um, his ideas on how we could tackle it. I kind of, that's where I got off the train, but it's interesting to note just some of the inside baseball that he brings forward in, in those accounts. So I'll say here quickly too, before you wrap off with the last day, I want to tell mm-hmm. our, our audience what, and so I'm not a financial management advisor. I'm not a, a personal chartered accountant. I'm not. But I happen to know some people who do roll in the financial world. <laughs> and so this is an extra shout out in light of the story. And because I saw Jonathan and mm-hmm. Jacob, two guys from Rocklink at the conference. These are friends. These are brothers. These are solid Christians. These are freedom loving Canadians. And so I have no problem giving them some extra love in the show. But if you bank with one of the big five, you need to you need to contact our friends over at Rocklink and you need to simply say, hey, Help me understand what can I do with my, where can I go? Because they know who you can trust. They know who's solid. They know who's a total woke, rainbow, purple-haired monster of a bank and who, who to avoid. And so please contact our friends, info at rocklink.com. You need to ask all your questions about what to do with your finances. And I'll say this also. If you have an RRSP, if you have an RESP, if you have any kind of tax-free savings account, whatever is the case, you need to contact them at Rocklink. You need to move it all over there. I'm telling you right now, you need to move it all over there. The moment bank accounts were frozen during the convoy, my wife and I sat down. We had a conversation. I also had a conversation with the elders at our church. We mm-hmm. sat down and we said, "We need to." I'm going to call them right now. We need to be done with TD. We're out, mm-hmm. period. They've already been letting us down. They've started to go more and more rainbow. We're out. So we pulled mm-hmm. out entirely. We, we moved our funds into a local credit union, which I'd recommend finding. It's not foolproof. It's not bulletproof, but it's probably a better bet. Mm. So we moved into a local credit union. But first, I'm telling you, I'll put my money where my mouth is. My RRSP, my kids' RESP, my tax-free savings account, all that stuff, I moved over to Rocklink entirely. So I'm not telling you to go somewhere with guys that I don't trust, with guys who are ready to put it all on the line for Canadians and for freedoms. At the very least, call them. Call them mm-hmm. and say, what should I do? What are my options? Uh, because we've learned that we cannot trust big institutions. They are they are merely the operational arm of our federal government. Please contact our friends at Rocklink. You have to. Today, tomorrow, do it this week. Absolutely. Great people over there, too. Anyways, let's finish off this recap of the Emergency Act inquiry by taking a look at day 26. So on day 26, testimony revealed that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau 
invoked the act on the advice of the clerk of the Privy Council and not based on a detailed threat assessment of the Freedom Convoy uh, by law enforcement authorities. Clerk of, Privy, Clerk of the Privy Council, Janice Charay, was asked by commission lawyers to describe the document Trudeau signed to adopt the emergency powers. The document states, while the demonstrations started out relatively peaceful, they have grown more complex and have expanded into multiple locations in the country. The movement is considered to be highly organized, well-financed, and is feeding a general sense of public unrest that could continue to escalate with severe threats to public security. So this is her opinion, despite what CSIS has said. Let's continue. Economic stability and international relations, a more detailed threat assessment is being provided under separate cover. Commission counsel then asked Charette, can you tell us about the threat assessment? When we got to this point, it would have been reasonable to expect that we would have been able to include as a part of the package going to the Prime Minister, quote, here's a threat and risk assessment. That was not ready by the time this memo was being sent, Charette told the commission. We have gone back and searched all our records. We have not been able to find that, to the best of my knowledge. There was no written detailed threat assessment provided under separate cover. Commission counsel replied, so this was not actually a threat assessment that was ever produced. It was an aspirational threat assessment. It was one that was supposed to be produced, but wasn't in the end. I think we hoped for it. To the best of my law knowledge, to the best of our records, we don't have a detailed threat assessment written that was provided to the prime minister under separate cover. So this supposed threat that the Privy Council is saying was the predicate for the invocation of the Emergency Act did not exist. And this is congruent with the testimony of the top officials from CSIS, as well as the documents that were circulating internally. That is outstanding. It's over. There's only one conclusion that this council, if acting justly, can come to. But yet, do we suspect that they will do the good thing? I'm not sure. The jury's still out. But this is damning testimony from start to finish throughout last week. And the amazing part is there was a CTV article that I'm going to link in the description that covered the news that the blockades had very little economic impact on Canada in the completely opposite direction. The headline was though it had significant effect, yet if you continue to read through it, the later paragraphs said, well, according to CSIS, that's actually not true. 
or sorry, according to Internal Statistics Canada, that's actually not true. That's amazing. That's that's how the media is playing cover for our government. And that's why we need to exist as the LCC, Andrew, if you ask me. Well, the... Uh... <sighs> The, the whole I was shaking my you, you couldn't see because I was off camera, but like our audience couldn't see. But I was wincing and shaking my head off cameras as you were reading about the threat assessment. And when we put this story together, I mean, th obviously, it wasn't like the federal government did a drone strike on the convoy. So I'm not saying that's what happened. So I'm not making that equivocation. But what I am going to say is, in principle, when you when you see movies where they're they're actually trying to figure out is there uh, is there a viable like is an actual threat is the guy there the person right whatever whatever terrorist we want to bomb is he in the building because there's all these civilians all these people is actually there what's our intel and you see that the president and his 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 his, his the powers that be agonize should we do it should we not what's gonna what's the cost gonna be what's the effect gonna be what's all the best intel sources say they have all these papers and reports. And even then, the agony over the decision to make, knowing the mm. fallout. And yet, for our prime minister and for our government, no assessment, no threat assessment, no actual viable information. Yeah, they Brenda were. Lucky, Brenda Lucky saying, ah, would have been a good idea to tell him, but we didn't pass <laughs> that memo across his desk. Yeah. And everyone else saying, it's not that bad. We got this. Mm -hmm. With all that mountain of information and without an actual threat assessment, our prime minister pushes the button, invokes the War Measures Act, and does bring, at least symbolically, does bring a hail of fire down upon the protesters mm -hmm. by way of jacked up, angry, significantly overpaid with special bonuses, police officer goons from across the country to push over homeschool moms and to pepper spray pastors who stood there praying for the police officers and actually trying to stand up for the freedoms of Canadians. Shame on our federal government. Mm -hmm. yeah. Shame on our prime minister. Yeah. And even just to return to the document from the Privy Council, just for a second, I just want to read this language because it's so measured. But the, the entire point of it is to prove that, oh, though this might have started out peacefully, it turned into this terribly violent, no good, very bad thing, which obviously means that the invocation of the Emergency Act was called for. This is her the words again. While the demonstrations started out relatively peaceful, they have grown more complex. I mean, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> and have expanded into multiple locations in the country. So more people are getting on board with them. The movement has considerably highly organized, as though that's a bad thing, um, and well-financed from Canadian citizens, right? We know that it wasn't... It, externally financed by other superpowers in the world but it was just ordinary canadian citizens and and some people from other countries supporting the movement and it's feeding the sense of public unrest so it's it's highlighting the government tyranny to the point that people are starting to wake up that's a bad thing and this is the part where she gets totally it could continue to escalate to severe threats of public security 
economic stability and international relationships. They could the, they could be making more French toast in the middle of the street. They could they could be giving out more pizzas to homeless not people. Not that they, they are. Yeah. Not that they are. This could. But the thing is, this is dreamt up from the Privy Council because mm -hmm. she doesn't have anything to go on. There was no threat assessment done and CSIS has already declared that it was not uh, it, it was not foreign funded and it was never considered by the agency who's in charge of national security as a threat to Canadian national security. So the, the, the Privy Council made it up. And this was the justification used no, by our prime minister watching, to invoke the act. watching CBC. That's where they yeah, got the yeah, information. Well, yeah, that's exactly. The, the first week of testimony revealed. All these people, all these local people in Ottawa, what did they say? I didn't actually see it. I didn't see violence. I didn't see anyone's mask get ripped off. I just heard about it on the Canadian Pravda Corporation. right? I, I heard about it because I was watching Global. So it's again, it's either gross incompetence, and there's probably a measure of that, Mm -hmm. or, or, I mean, but I'm again, like when you, if you, for anyone here who, you know, if you, if you go to the casino and you, you, you know, you play craps, you get to the craps table, right? How many times in a row do you get snake eyes before you realize these dice must be loaded, right? Like it's, it's been snake eyes day after day, after day, after day, utter failure, complete incompetence. Mm -hmm. Like you can't, you can't make that happen. That just doesn't happen by coincidence. The and, dice and, are loaded and, for failure. And it should be noted, too, that the cover of this inquiry by the mainstream media has absolutely subsided after the witness testimony on behalf of the government and their invocation of the emergency act this was highly covered in mainstream media when it was a bunch of ottawa residents or government employees or officers telling about their feelings but as soon as we're getting into the actual press like predicate for the invocation of the act the actual internal communications between government agencies the actual facts of the case the mainstream media, they're a little sheepish on covering that stuff because it never, ever looks good for the government. And that's the reality of the situation that we're in. It's serious business. It is serious, serious business. But we're so glad this inquiry is taking place regardless of the outcome. Because regardless of that outcome, as we've said over and over again, it is good that these things are coming to light. So we can be thankful for that. Don't get hung out on the outcome. Leave that to God. But let us look. But let us continue to be thankful that this this evil, this bad stuff is coming to light. That's kind of what I want to say by way of conclusion on this week's Week in Review Emergency Inquiry special our next story is brought to you by our friends over at bull bitcoin our federal government's response to economic difficulties and i'll note the economic difficulties that they created is to print more money until it's worthless driving up the cost of everything essentially stealing from your hard-earned pay they also want to monitor your spending by way of centralized digital currency and they want to control you by way of a digital ID. And we have a story in a couple days that show that they also want to monitor you by way of global vaccine passport. 
So stay tuned for some of that craziness in just a couple days. What you need to do is to take control of your own resources and be responsible for your own money, which is your responsibility. Bull Bitcoin wants to help you to do just that. Bull Bitcoin is a 100% self-funded, freedom-minded Canadian Bitcoin exchange that wants to protect your financial freedom and help you protect your resources. If you're at all aware of what's going on in our country, you should seriously consider connecting with my friends over at Bull Bitcoin and buy at least some Bitcoin today. Sign up at mission.bullbitcoin.com LCC and have all your questions answered. Bull Bitcoin is the exchange that I personally trust for all my Bitcoin purchases. That's mission.bullbitcoin.com LCC. Like Matt and I said, at the top of the show this last weekend, we were at the Church at War conference at Trinity Bible Chapel in Waterloo, where we got to not only meet a number of pastors across the country who kept their churches open, who were nonconformists, who pushed back against the medical and state tyranny from all levers, levels of government officials. We also got to watch the, it was a premiere of the Antichrist and His Ruin documentary, it's not available yet. Lots of people have been asking. It's not available yet. As soon as it is, we'll let you know. And we got to spend a lot of good time meeting friends, meeting Nicole. We already talked yeah. about Nicole and these wonderful Meeting mugs. each other. <laughs> meeting each other. That's right. We got to meet each other. I know it feels we like we're I, I know it feels like we're the best of friends already, but it, it was the first time we, you, when you picked me up from the airport on my way in, it was the first time we had met, met in person. So, Thanks for bringing the snow with you, by the way. Uh, yes, it, I it know. Wasn't here before you showed up. I know. I feel. And I feel to, awful. <laughs> we got to have lunch at the Italian bakery where I grew up, and then some some very kind woman came over who listens to our Diana, show. Diana, I believe yeah. it was Diana. What are the so odds? So shout out to yeah. Diana because the first the time, odds? the first time that, that Andrew and I in a city where we don't live, yeah, <laughs> and she shows up. I know. We're stuffing our faces with a veal sandwich. Yes, absolutely. So a wild situation of providence uh, that uh, we're recognized in, like you said, a city we don't live uh, for the first time we are actually together in person. So it was it was wonderful. Thank you, Diana, for for listening. Uh, Godspeed. And we, we wish you the best. And um, Diana was one of the she was the first of many people that we got to meet. Um, Andrew over the weekend who listened to the show. And for me, that was kind of a surreal experience because since I've been on with LCC, I've been mainly doing production stuff. And then when Mike asked us to do the show together, we started doing that. But, you know, a lot of the views, a lot of that stuff, I don't have faces to put behind that. You know, I don't have names to put behind that. I just produce it record it produce it send it out in the ether and then <laughs> see what 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 comes of it but to get to talk to people andrew that was a real blessing to me to get to know our audience get to see what they're thinking about answer their questions to get to see what god's place on their heart to hear their stories um that was very very impactful and to also hear how our program has you know, impacted their lives, how it's positive, positively impacted their thinking, 
how they're they're able to put things together that they weren't sure about. They knew it was wrong, but now we've been able to help them think through these issues. All of those things are a huge encouragement um, to me. They were they were wonderful and. It, it felt like this family, I told this to so many people, but it felt like this weird family reunion where you were getting together with your people, but you strangely had never met them or seen them in person. Yet um, the camaraderie of the entire weekend was was a huge takeaway for me. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's, there's a lot to say about the weekend at Trinity. Um, I mean, it was it, at times it was quite an emotional weekend for a number Absolutely. of different reasons. Very emotional <laughs> yeah. weekend. Mike mm. made a point. Mike Teeson made a point to make fun of me and 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 point <laughs> out how much I was crying. It was mm-hmm. a very emotional weekend for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot. Some of these guys that 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 I got to see again were mm-hmm. guys that I was with in Ottawa. You know, guys who friends who were arrested, friends who were beaten by police officers. Literally, I'm not. This isn't hyperbolic. Friends who were beaten by officers, friends who were on the receiving end of tear gas, right? Like to, to see these men again, it was emotional to be gathered together in this setting, to get to meet guys like James Coates and Tim Stevens, who, by the way, we will be releasing an interview with Tim Stevens and James Coates tomorrow, tomorrow. night, Wednesday night. You're going to want to watch it. To my knowledge, that's the first time these two guys were together in person being interviewed, and we had the privilege of being able to do it. So Live from the conference. I got to meet them in person. Mm-hmm. And talk with them and give them hugs multiple, multiple times. Uh, I got to meet other guys, like other pastors around the country that I've never, I've never met in person. I've only talked to by so you know on social media and by messaging. I got to meet them, and again, I got to hug all of them. There was lots of hugging, lots of crying. Did I say that? Lots yes. of hugging, lots of crying. <laughs> so that was special. That was quite and, special. And, and on that note, on that note, I just want to make mention. Shout out to the Carp Fide. Uh, yep. crew got some wonderful t-shirts but also on topic of your hugging they said that you were the best hugger of them all so they gave me a 9.5 out of 10 on <laughs> i don't know I how agree. you get i don't know how you get to 10 you know that, that powerful uh yeah. bear hug that you gave me it was as good as it gets <laughs> so if i mean that was special being with these with these brothers was special mm-hmm. i mean being in the room i mean this 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 was the fringe minority, but it's actually not. It's, it isn't a fringe minority at all. That 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 that, that this represents many Canadians who mm. who understand what 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 happened and understand that the only answer really was was defiance, was nonconformity to lawless, evil, tyrannical mandates and rules from our government. I think one of the takeaways from the conference, and we've said this before, I want to lay this to bear on our audiences. We're thankful for the trucker convoy and the freedom convoy. And we're, and we're thankful for the raising of awareness and the fact that we could say that what they did caused both the shakeup in the conservative party and also saw provincial mandates drop. So we're thankful for that. But I need to say here unequivocally that the freedom movement in Canada, the loudest voice, the initial people pushing back and paying a cost for it were pastors. So the freedom movement in Canada really is built upon the foundation of Christians and pastors who defied the government openly and publicly before anyone else did. Before restaurants were told you had to enforce you had to enforce vaccine mandates, before any of that, it was pastors who were told shut down your church and muzzle your people who said no and said no publicly 
and paid a great cost for it. So the freedom movement in Canada really rests upon the courage and the boldness and the faithfulness of Christian pastors. And we'll also say that's not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence that men who ground themselves upon the authority of the word of God, men who believe in the supremacy and the kingship of Jesus over all things, these were the men who were the loudest in their defiance. And some of them were fine. Some of them were not. Some faithful pastors were defiant and they they refused to comply and they were never visited by police officers or health officials. But you need to know that it is Christian pastors, and I'm being specific in my focus here. I'm not talking about other religious systems. It was the Christian evangelical pastor in this country who defied the government openly and publicly before anyone else did and who paid a great cost for it in many instances. And so if there's a group of men to be thankful for, if there's a group of men who deserve honor and an applause, it is those men who stood for the rights and freedoms of Canadians from a biblical perspective because Christ alone is king over this universe. These were the men who were at the forefront. They were the tip of the spear of the freedom movement here in Canada. And it's because they believe in the scriptures and it's because they believe that government is limited because God says that government is limited. Mm-hmm. And, and to see these men rightly honored and gathering together and celebrating and rejoicing was an incredible moment. And Canadians need to know this is, this is the country in which we live. These are the men who stood for freedoms because they love Christ and because they love the word of God. And it is right to recognize them. And, uh, and, and to have been among these men was, was a special time. And, uh, mm. and, and our audience needs to know that that's the reality of the situation. Mm-hmm. And the amazing part, Andrew, from my perspective, is these men aren't as advertised by media and by their detractors. As m- these men who took this stand, they took it on courage of conviction. Though some might think they're lawless men, on the contrary, the entire weekend was spent preaching a higher law was preaching the goodness of authority that comes with necessary responsibility, how God's delimited different spheres in society for the benefit of his church and the flourishing of individuals created in his image, and how each, each person who's given this responsibility to govern in these spheres and given that authority has the responsibility to do it for the upbuilding and the benefit of those that they're ruling over. These are not lawless men. They are lawful men who know full well what authority, what responsibility, and what law actually means. And they are men who believe lex rex, that law is king, the law of God is king, and therefore rex lex cannot be the case that kings cannot be laws unto themselves. And as you said, Andrew, these men were the tip of the spear and the trucker convoy was the shaft that came behind it. But imagine if it wasn't just a handful of passers, if it wasn't just 12 to 15 to 20. We don't know the number because some 
are lesser known and they deserve just like you said, Andrew, as much plaudits as anybody else that took a fine or went to jail. If churches across our nation push back, if they stood firm, if they understood responsibility, these covenantal spheres, how authority actually works biblically, if they understood those things, the trucker convoy would have never been needed. We wouldn't have needed that because this tyranny would have never got out the gates. But it was the complicity, complicity of so many men who are ought to know better, who are supposed to be leaders and shepherds of the sheep for the benefit of others, who failed to exercise their God-given authority in proper relationship to the government. They let people down. They let the abuse of tyrannical government run roughshod over individuals. And that is the serious, serious verdict on these men and their ministries. And that this, as the document documentary lays out, they allowed the spirit of Antichrist to go unchallenged. And I know that word, we've talked about it, might seem crazy to a lot of people, especially non-Christian people, but it's not hard to understand. It Antichrist is against Christ. If you're against Christians, if laws are specifically geared against Christians or against them doing what God requires in his word, they are definitionally anti-Christian. And what happens is we see in the New Testament that Christ identifies with his believers, with his body, the church, in such an organic way that when he confronts the Apostle Paul, he says, why are you persecuting me? Well, he didn't persecute Christ proper. He was persecuting his church, but that is the connection. So if they're anti-Christian, they're anti-Christ. And I think the document did it, documentary did a great job. Kudos to Jeremy and Jacob and um, Ryan Aris and Tim Tyson, all those that worked on the film for really tracing the history in law and and bringing forth this concept and bringing it to bear uh, for people to understand so they can track with the concept and then also put legs on it and understand it historically. They've, the spirit of Antichrist has been in our nation for a long time. And it, it the oppression and the tyranny that we've experienced in the last two and a half years, that is just the manifestation of this long sown seed this this awful root of this terrible tree and this must be excised and the sad part is government tyranny is that end of the tip of the spear in in the negative sense is the root cause of this evil is is the 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 heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart and if we as a nation, as Canadians, want to see the tyranny of our government end, we must look internally. We must reflect prayerfully on how we, in our spirit of Antichrist, have contributed to what has taken place in our nation. And we must, if we want reformation and revival, as Steve Richardson so powerfully preached, we must 
look internally and then ask God to rend the heavens and come down and cleanse our nation and renew our nation and keep our nation glorious and free. There's something else that we take away from the weekend, and this comes out of the many, many encouraging, kind words from people who came over to our table, people who watch and listen to the show, people who consume our content. And that is that if our world were a different place, if the spirit of Antichrist had not taken over our civil government so thoroughly, and if we didn't find ourselves in this current cultural moment, we wouldn't exist at the Liberty Coalition Canada and we wouldn't have to exist. But as it turns out, we do exist. And I would say that in the providence of God, we need to exist. And that's one thing I took away from this week. People whose source of sanity, quite literally, friends, listeners, who, who told us that the ability to cut through what's going on to not only inform, but to encourage them, to help them make sense of it, to bring a good worldview, to wade through the nonsense of legacy media, that for many people, we function as a source of sanity, a source of biblical worldview perspective that helps to shape them and sharpen them and equip them for the cultural fight ahead. And so the truth is we need to exist because we know that there isn't anyone else like us. We know that there's no other freedom media organization that is bringing a distinctly Christian biblical perspective because it's the only way to view the world. If you deny God, then you have no sufficient grounds for, for making any claim or having anything logical stand on its legs because God himself is the source and the foundation for reason and logic. And so we need to be here because of what we do. And, and no other organization like us that's bringing Christian conservative Canadian news and analysis is fighting for the freedoms of Canadians who are being discriminated against because of lawless mandates. And combine that with the fact that we are trying to actually make a dent in the political sphere through our advocacy work. So we need to be here. And I, I, I knew that. I felt that this week, that it is essential that we exist so that we might be able to help Canadians to be equipped and to be trained and to be encouraged to fight back. So, so how are we going to operate then? How are we going to do what we, we do? Well, friends, if we need to exist, then guess what? We need you. Mm -hmm. We need your help and we need your support as well. And our audience is generous. We saw that this last week, that people Amen. are, are Amen. generous, that they, they, they agree with us and they believe in what we're doing. And so we want to label. And thank you, you to all those who gave yes. at the conference. Who yes, we didn't uh, donate any hats. All the hats were gone. <laughs> no, exactly. And people were kind. And had we not by been sewered by uh, Canada Post, we could have had more to give away to our audience. Yes. But but time. we we felt the love for sure, and we felt the gracious. Uh, of our audience who who benefits from the program and we, we would just ask that you would be like them and help us mm -hmm. out yeah we we have a we have an ambitious goal we want to raise three hundred thousand dollars before the end of the year it's that time of year it's that time of year where people do fundraising where people think about where am i going to give how am i going to allocate my donations we need to raise three hundred thousand dollars that's our goal to be able to do more shows more content to be able to continue to fight for Canadians and their freedoms. We want to do more. We have some plans. Stuff's going to be slowly rolling out in the next little bit. We have a lot of 
great stuff in mind for 2023, but we need your help. We need your support. We need your donations. So go over to libertycoalitioncanada.com slash donate and help us join in this fight. And like I said at the top of the show, because we are now partnering with the Christian Week, any donations and support that you give specifically towards the analysis, the podcasting, the shows, and you'll be able to mark that in your giving. When you go to the donate page, you're going to be able to specify soon. It might not be in place tomorrow or the day after, but soon in the next number of days, you're going to be able to specify where you want your donations to go. And if you select that analysis slash shows option, those donations will receive and can receive a charitable tax receipt at the end of the year. And so if you're thinking of a place to support where you want to kind of buff up some of your charitable giving for the year, you can do that now at the Liberty Coalition Canada. So please head over there, support, donate to us that we can continue this fight. We have lofty goals. We have high ambitions, but we know that we can do it. And we know that with the help and encouragement and support of Canadians, of our audience, we can make it happen. And we can continue to do the work that we're doing, being a united front for freedom and liberty here in Canada. Thank you already for those of you who have donated this year. Thank you for your generosity. And this is how this is one of the ways you continue you can continue to join us in this fight to do the work that we do is you can help support us financially. Please do so. Absolutely. Thank you so much to all those who gave us just wonderful reception in Waterloo. It was truly a blessing to be there at the Church of War conference to get to shake so many of your hands, meet so many of you, our dear listeners, and, and many of you, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'm just so thankful that we got this opportunity to meet you. And that, Andrew, we get the opportunity to do this show, which is obviously beneficial to those. So, as Andrew said, if you would, please consider leaving us a donation at libertycoalitioncanada.com slash donate. Until next time, Galatians 5.1. Thanks for tuning in to Liberty Dispatch, a united front to restore liberty and justice in Canada. Please subscribe to our podcast and Rumble channel, as well as visit our website at www.libertycoalitioncanada.com.